This podcast is Challenging Opinions and is presented by William Campbell. Thank you for downloading the Challenging Opinions podcast for April 21st, 2017. Every Monday, I'll be bringing you brand new content, but for the next while, on Wednesdays and Fridays, I'm including previous interviews in this feed, like this one with the left-wing blogger Larry Erickson, which was recorded while Bernie Sanders was in the presidential race last year. I hope you enjoy the interview. Challenging Opinions is the podcast where ideas are tested. Whether you are left or right, conservative or progressive, devout or skeptic, what matters is the strength of your argument, not the strength of your voice. I'm joined on the line by Larry Erickson. Larry is the writer of the blog called Lotus Surviving a Dark Time. Um, Larry, would you class yourself as a democratic socialist? Actually, yes, I would. Uh, I think that's actually a pretty good description of me. Uh, I'll mention in passing that uh, uh, watching Bernie Sanders' campaign is that uh, he's not as much of a socialist as he's presented as being often in the media, but it's just so nice to hear somebody use the term to understand what it means and not run away from it. He's not so much of a socialist as he's presented for you. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? For me, well... And I mean, for me, in one sense, it's a bad thing in that, you know, he's he's I would describe him as a little bit to the right of me. Mm -hmm. So obviously, I would prefer 100 percent agreement. Everybody does. But in the real world, um, he's as close to a viable candidate towards my position as I think we're going to see in a while. I mentioned to you that I was interested in one blog post that you had put up because I think it shows where you're coming from. The title of the blog post is The Pursuit of Profit is the Baseline Cause of Economic Injustices. Why is that? Well, one thing we have to make sure that we understand at the top, I deliberately use the term the pursuit of profit, not Mm -hmm. profit itself. Uh, Profit is good as a tool. It's good as a means. It's good as part of a process of running a business. If you're going to like reinvest in new equipment, or even if you want to hire more people, you've got to have the resources to do it. But when profit itself becomes the end, it becomes the purpose, the goal, the reason, not the, not the tool, but, but the reason, um, it, it becomes destructive. Um, I, I think actually... Why, why is that? Why is that? Well, Consider the kind of examples that you can get, and some of them I, I cited in that particular blog. Um, there is a, a severe shortage of mid-tier apartments, mid-tier meaning people uh, uh, with rents that can be afforded by average people. Mm-hmm. The number, the absolute number of such apartments has actually shrunk since 2002. There's actually fewer middle-tier apartments, while the number of luxury apartments has gone up by 31% in that same time. Mm-hmm. Is this in a specific area? Or? No, this is nationwide. Okay. This is, well, well I, let me amend. United States is what sure, I'm talking about. Sure, yeah, nationwide about. in the U.S. Nationwide in the U.S. Um, is that the, the fundamental difference, it costs about the same to build a mid-tier apartment as it does to build a luxury apartment. Your investment is just about the same. But the rents on the luxury apartments obviously are far higher. They're like double the average rent for a mid-tier apartment. So there's more money to be made in building luxury apartments 
is more profit to be made. Mm-hmm. The result is that average people with average incomes are finding it harder and harder to even afford an apartment because even with normal population growth, there are more middle-tier people while there are not just a slower growth in middle-tier uh, apartments, there's been an absolute decline in the number. More people pursuing fewer apartments is driving up the price, so more people can't even afford a decent apartment. Uh, there's not a single place in the United States where you can afford a, a, a two-bedroom apartment on a, on a minimum wage income. Mm-hmm. Nowhere in the country can you afford that. Uh, and a lot of that is because we just have people who are saying, well, I can make more money this way. That it's, it's so we, what, you, what you're saying money. is a developer for a relatively small amount of money can upgrade the apartment that he's building and make a larger profit because the upgrade in the price is a lot more than the upgrade in the cost of building. There's not even really that much of an upgrade in the cost of building. The investment is essentially the same. But even if it was a small tick, it still it still is the same point, is that there is a uh, – uh, the, the, it's because of the wanting to maximize the profit no matter what the cost to the society at large. I want more for me, and so I really don't care how my actions impact other people. I mean, the perfect example of that, okay, absolute perfect example of that, and it became, he became a poster boy for greed, was the guy Martin Shkreli, mm-hmm. smirking little prick of a man, um, who got the rights to a medication called, it's called something else in Europe. In the U.S., it's called pyrimethamine. Mm-hmm. This, this is a, an, an off-patent medis- medication, am I correct? This is, uh, yes, uh, Yes, this uh, pyrimethamine is the generic name, and it has, but it has distribution rights. Mm-hmm. So by getting those distribution rights, doesn't matter how many people might manufacture the drug, you still have control of it. Uh, and uh, the actual was GlaxoKlein-Smith that originally produced this. And back in, oh, about 20 years ago, this medication was selling for about a dollar a pill. Mm-hmm. They sold it to somebody that jacked it up, and it went up to like thirteen fifty a pill until last year when um, Shikrali got hold of it, and he jacked it up to $5,500 a pill. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, $750 a pill, a 5,500% increase. Mm-hmm. And when he was asked to justify this, his answer was, I'm a capitalist. Yes. I mean, that was his answer, as if the, the fact that he made more money this way was in and of itself justification for, in essence, bankrupting people. Because when you need a medicine, you need a medicine. You know, this becomes a necessity. It's it's not a luxury. It's not like it's not like somebody jacked up the price of I don't know your 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 um your TV cable. Sure. And you, you it's, might, it's not an optional. It's, say, it's, well, what, look, it's what capitalists it's what capitalists call an inelastic market. You, you've got yes, to have exactly. it. Okay. So what I want it's to do is I just want inelastic. to I, I want to look at a little bit of the um the ideas that you put forward there. One of them is you've said that. Um, mid-tier apartments, something that an average worker would want to be able to afford, maybe even with their first job, they've been getting more and more expensive. You, you said that this is a changing situation, but capitalism and the pursuit of profit isn't a changing situation. What has changed from before to now to change that situation? Uh, well, the, the first half of your statement, I think, is something that uh, I want a little bit demonstrated, that uh, it's not capitalism that's been doing this, mm-hmm. that there's something else 
that's causing this change. What we're, the thing is, what we're seeing is not new. It's just becoming accelerated. Mm-hmm. There is, uh, when people are, are concerned, for example, about, about income inequality, um, this income inequality is not, is not new, uh, but it's, um, it's accelerating. It's getting mm-hmm. worse. And there comes, a, there comes a tipping point, which I think we have passed, um, about about profit and about pursuing profit, where it, it's it's no longer it's um, like rolling downhill. There comes a point where it just keeps accelerating, and once it starts accelerating, it's going to accelerate more and more and more. It is that classic business thing again of the tipping point. Sure, but, no, but one, hold, one hold on, hold I on wanted... a second, hold on a second. I want to see if this is really a viable proposition, because one of the things that you said is that the pursuit of profit is the baseline cause of economic injustices. Don't you think it's possible that sometimes the pursuit of profit, especially in an inelastic market, that's to say something where people have very little choice, particularly very little choice between suppliers, then that can be very problematic. But in most markets, they're not inelastic. Most of the things you buy, you could choose not to buy them if you wanted to. And for sure, you could choose to buy a different brand if you wanted to. And they don't have the supply limitations that perhaps legal uh, limitations on the manufacturer distribution of drugs have, or, you know, there's only so many apartments that you can build in a certain city or at least on a a certain uh, plot of land. But most products, if there's not enough of them, you can make more and ship in more. In that case, isn't the pursuit of profit something that means that the society gets a good supply of the products? Except Except it just hasn't worked that way. I mean, we have not seen that um, this is actually produced. One of the things that somebody's... And again, one of the points I wanted to make... And I wanted but, to make but hold on for a second, hold on for a second. The world... The world the, no, well, let me, let me add one little thing. The world has never been as wealthy, and a country like the United States is easily the wealthiest and has never been wealthier. And have the supply of more material goods than could possibly have been imagined even a generation ago. All right, there's, there's two things, okay? Mm-hmm. First, overall, uh, we may seem to have more. Individually, we don't. The difference is that like, it's our, our gross domestic product has gone up, our wealth has gone up, our national wealth has gone up. Mm-hmm. But for the average person in the United States, the median, uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, the, the mean mm-hmm. income, mean real income in the United States is below where it was in 1979. Mm-hmm. That is what that that's one that's thirty six years if I do my math real quick where we are as a people on and the whole and we talk about individual people we are worse off than we were thirty six years ago now that again I'm talking you know we go back to think about the tipping point there can come a point or there um, has come a point where simply saying that growth produces benefits for all is demonstrably untrue because it has not done it for over three decades. Can this we check despite that fact? The fact that, well, no, just, despite the fact that the average work week is longer than it was around 1980, people are working more hours on average but have less real income. Well, well, I want to check that fact because, say, for example, as you take the start point 36 years ago, how many teenagers would have had their own personal phone line even just a landline phone 36 years ago. Some, but not so many, I guess. When, when, uh, when you're talking uh, that, that people, have, people have frills, mm-hmm. and that some things, I mean, one of, the things, one of the things about technology is that 
always gets less expensive over time. I was just oddly enough saying to my wife the other day, uh, making a, a, a comment the year yeah, but it gets, it gets less up. expensive over well, time for but, a reason. Because people invest, um, and the the uh, the economies of scale bring down the prices. If I could finish the thought, sure, yeah. Um, one of the things, the example I was going to use about technology. Uh, 1948 was when the first transistor came out. It cost twenty dollars in 1948 for one transistor. Now you have thousands of them. Yes, but a lot of that uh, is not necessarily so much of economies of scale. There is economies of scale, yes, but you also hit a point where those economies of scale no longer function. I mean, when you talk about can people have more frills and gadgets, mm -hmm. fine, yes. At the same time, at the same time, though, when you have people increasingly having a hard time to find a place that they can afford to live, mm -hmm. when you have uh, poverty that has that has essentially un been unchanged for some decades now, when you have uh, uh, people who cannot afford medicines, when you have people who cannot afford health care, when getting health care is the single biggest cause of, of bankruptcy, um, talking about, well, we can have our cell phones is not really an answer to an issue of, of social justice and of social need and of concern for the community as a whole, mm -hmm. not for particular individuals. Which is one of the problems that, and again, something I wanted to try to emphasize to make it clear what I'm talking about. I said you can make a, almost a biblical comparison here. The Bible doesn't say money is the root of all evil. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. That's correct. That's often misquoted. I don't say that profit is the root of all evil. I say the pursuit of profit. When profit becomes the end rather than the means. Uh, it's, it's like saying that, you know, a, a carpenter, instead of building a, 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 a bookcase, the issue is to use, the, uh, to use the screwdriver and hammer, and it really doesn't matter whether that bookcase ever gets finished or whether or not it'll actually hold books. It's, it's, the, it's the gain of the individual gain that is the problem. It's when you focus on the individual gain and when getting rich and getting richer and richer and richer and more and more of a national uh, society's income and more and more of a society's efforts and more and more of a society's resources get devoted to and controlled by fewer and fewer people mm -hmm. because, uh, because of the way your economy is structured. Mm -hmm. That is unjust, it is wrong, and yes, it is a cause of, cause of social evils. You know, Larry, actually and sometimes I agree with you. I, I agree with some of the things you're saying. But I don't think that it's always true. And one of the reasons I don't think it's always true is because if you go, and I've been to um, various countries in Cuba, in Southeast Asia, and other places that have either socialist or semi-socialist governments – or where for some other reason the people don't have very much economic agency, they don't have the ability to open a business and to make a profit. And the one thing that is striking about all of those countries is the number of people who are just hanging around. They're not really doing anything. They're just maybe just sitting in the street, smoking a cigarette, chatting to their friends, but mostly looking bored and not, not terribly in, much enjoying life. And... One of the reasons they're doing that is because if they were to get off their ass and do some do some work, try to start even the smallest of business, unless they were very privileged people, 
all of their profits will be taken away from them. I think maybe making a distinction between profit and the pursuit of profit is, is a distinction where there isn't really a difference. If somebody goes to work either for themselves or for an employer, the, you know, I'm sure lots of people love their job. I'm sure lots of people enjoy their jobs, but I think most of them, if they weren't going to get paid or they didn't need the paycheck, they wouldn't go. First, my first response to this, I mean, you, you covered an awful lot of territory in a short time. And uh-huh. as I've, I've, often, I've often said that it's uh, much easier to make an assertion than it is to rebut it. Well, go ahead. But the, well, the, well, the first thing is that the comparison you're making is an utterly false one. You're making a comparison between uh, a, 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 either our present economy uh, and a democratic socialist economy with a, with a demand economy, with a command economy, uh, where somebody controls everything. You're equating, you said these, these people, they lose all of their profits. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems to me I never said that. Mm-hmm. I never said anything approaching that, and I don't have any democratic socialist who does. Uh, so it, it's not a matter of unlimited greed being celebrated on the one hand, and you can't make a single penny on the other. But that is the comparison you're trying to make. Mm-hmm. Because you're saying that people, they lose all their profits. Mm-hmm. Now, nobody said that. Nobody's advocated that. I actually said at the very top that profit is a part of the process, that it's when it becomes the end, it's in and of itself, that it becomes problematical. It becomes ethically and socially problematical. It's There are many examples, and we can give the, ex- the gigantic examples like Google or uh, some of those, but there's on every corner you'll find businesses of different sizes whereby somebody has taken a risk, worked really hard in order to create their own business. What's the proper motivation for them if, if uh, profit isn't? Again, you're, you're making an equation between profit period and making profit. I don't understand at this point why that's hard to understand that. No, no, no. I'm just asking, I'm asking you uh, well, what, no, no, what, what no, should no, motivate excuse, them. Excuse me. Well, excuse me. Sure. You're, again, but in terms of your the question you're saying well if the opportunity to maximize profit uh, is not motivating them then what what possibly would mm-hmm. well for, I can give you a couple of exa- I can give you a couple of examples Let's hear one them. is just a lot a lot of people do that and in fact one of the one of the reasons when you ask people you know why did you start your business well you know to 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 be as rich as Donald Trump is usually not the answer you get it's the sense of accomplishment, the sense of independence, the sense of control over your own destiny. Um, it's For some people, it is the thrill of the risk. But you very rarely get an answer for somebody who's just trying to start a small business that, uh, well, I, you know, I want to be as, as rich as Midas. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's usually not, in fact, the, uh, the driving. That's something that seems to develop over time. In fact, there are people who, uh, you know, sort of prove that you, you don't have to be a, a complete jerk. Um, there's a guy, you may have heard about this, this was several months ago, a guy named Dan Price. He runs a, uh, a credit card processing company. It's called Gravity Systems. Mm-hmm. And he announced that over the next three years, he's going to raise the minimum pay at his company to $70,000 a year, mm-hmm. which is he's going to do in part by cutting his own salary down and... Um, you know, using and using anticipated profits in order to do this. And the company's doing fine. In fact, it's growing faster than it was before. You don't have to be a, a sold-dead greed hog in order to run a successful business. Yeah, you don't I, have I agree to with be. you. It's just, it, it, well, yeah, but, it's that, but, but then you're saying that, well, what's the motivation? 
if you can't be a sold Ed Greed hog, if that's not what you want to be. I, I, I don't think don't I, use, I don't be. think I use the those words, is, but no, my, my, no, you my, don't use, you didn't use those words, but, but the, the point is that you can, there's an old line about doing well by doing good or doing, yeah, doing well by doing good, um, that you can, uh, run a successful business and you can be well off without making turning a a a six percent net profit into an eight percent net profit because you want to build one of those literally half billion dollar houses that are now being sold out in bel air Mm -hmm. uh that um, you don't have to do that there's no need to do that in order to be to run a successful business and to have a good living now i don't i don't mind i don't I don't resent people having a good living. I really don't. I don't care if there are rich people. I care that there are no poor people. I don't care if people have, you know, McMansions out in Bel Air and they spend. I care about if everybody has a decent place to live. I don't care if people can afford nips and tucks and facelifts and all the rest of that, as long as everybody has access to adequate health care. And as long as we say that the pursuit of profit no matter its effect on the society at large, is an acceptable part of our society and an inborn part of our economic system, those things are not going to change. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't, I don't care if they're rich people. I just care that everybody has enough. Let, let, let me tell you where I think profit and be it the pursuit of profit or just plain profit comes in. I think that there are some industries, I think there are some industries that just can't function well without fairly tight government regulation. One of those is healthcare. And it's just because people don't understand. If I go into my doctor and tell my doctor, I've got a pain in my arm, my arm must be broken, can you put it in a cast? If the doctor says, no, actually, you've got a pain in your arm because you're having a heart attack, we're going to give you open heart surgery. You just can't argue. You, you know, if you had enough information to argue with the doctor, uh, then you'd be a doctor. Um Another of them is is housing because of just how inelastic. Nobody nobody can say, oh, well, I won't bother having a house for a few months. But government only has so much focus. There's only so much you can look after. And if the government does things that it seems to need to do, for example, uh, healthcare and have some sort of regulation of housing, then I don't think they're going to have the focus to be able to micromanage other markets and most markets where there isn't a specific need to be uh, to be government managed for example if there's a fairly adequate supply of all the resources and where it's not possible for you know to hold the customer over a barrel in most cases people running their own private businesses in order to make a profit seem to work pretty well and in a lot of cases, that's true, which is, again, is why I tried to emphasize that moral difference, that profit itself, in and of itself, is not the problem. Mm-hmm. One thing, too, is that uh, something you mentioned, I wanted to mention that um, about the government not having the focus to micromanage. Well, I don't want the government micromanaging. You know, one of the, one of the things about why I always emphasize the democratic part of the socialism mm-hmm. is that I said a long time ago that if all we ever succeeded in doing was taking control of our economy out of the hands of an economic elite, only to give it to the hands of the government elite, we would have accomplished nothing. Mm-hmm. It's that idea of a public, always a public check, which is why the Democratic part is so, is so uh, necessary. In fact, in my view, my personal view of socialism, 
it can't be socialism unless it's also democratic. Without democratic freedoms, um, you can't have a proper socialism because you don't have the check on, just like in the economy, people self-aggrandize. They want more. They got, give me more. I want to have a bigger profit. In government, it's the same, that if you have control, well, we want more control. Well, we need, we, now we need to control this. A classic story. The old Soviet Union, one of, the, one of the reasons it really screwed up its own economy, is that initially there was only like 20 key industries that were supposed to be subject to government regulation, things like steel and a couple of others like that. Over time, because, because well, then we've got to do this. Oh, well, no, we've got to do this. No, now we've got to do this. They had thousands. And so you're absolutely right in, one, in the thing of saying that you have to be – you don't want the government trying to micromanage a lot of industries. You don't because it's ineffective, it's, in, it's inefficient, and it tends to lead, again, to control by that government elite that we want to avoid as much as, uh, as, as the you know, um, economic elite. Mm-hmm. Um, that, does, that doesn't mean, however, that as an ethical concept, which again, you've got to remember, this is what I was talking about, an ethical concept, mm-hmm. um, when, I'm going to come back to the same thing, when maintaining or, or obtaining a maximum profit and more and more and more, that profit is the end as a moral precept, that leads to destructive effects on the economy. Now, you know, we're, we're, if, if we want to talk about you know, what the government should regulate or what regulation should be or what should be nationalized or what sh- absolutely shouldn't be, um, we can do that. But remember what I was talking about was the moral precept of making maximizing your profit no matter the impacts on others do, do you think you can do you think you can change the the morality of business people in the private sector we've already we've already done it i mean the, the simple fact that that we can be sitting here talking about this uh as a not totally off the wall god i never even thought about that idea before uh discussion mm-hmm. yeah if, if you if you compare now to a couple of centuries ago, in the attitudes of a couple of centuries ago, um, there was we, we went through a time. A little little quick history here. We actually tend to forget that a few centuries ago, businesses were even actually much more strictly regulated than they are now. You had you needed licenses for everything. You needed licenses to be this that, and I just mean to to open a shop. You need special licenses. You couldn't export anything without special licenses and permission from the king or some agency. Um, we went through a time when he said, "No, we're not going to do that. We're going to lay back." And then that came to a point where we realized, "Well, wait a minute, that's gone too far." And we started it, to isn't, have. Isn't it the case, Larry, that, that those rules were generally to protect the established elites? Yes, they were, um, and they were tend. You know, industries. Uh, um, uh, um, industries is not the word I'm looking for. Trades is the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Would get um, the 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 king. This is actually the part that I'm familiar with is like English from about 1580 to 1650. Um, that they would get the king to give them charters because then they could control who could and couldn't pursue a line of work because you had to be a member of the guild in order to pursue that line of work. And yes, it was to protect that industry. We got away from that um, and started just have uh, much less regulation. Then we found that, well, we we went too far and we had to have some more regulations. And we still have to look for that balance about what is the best level of regulation. But 
Do, do you think, Larry, that there's a danger of what I think I've seen happening in other countries is that you get regulatory capture? That's to say that when a an industry is regulated initially for public good, the people in that industry tend to have quite a close relationship with government and uh, they start uh, giving advice and saying, yeah, you don't want to have any new operators in the industry. We don't want to change anything. We like the way it is. And you get a loss of innovation because because of the power of the established uh, the established people in the economy. We've already, we've already seen that in the United States frequently. Uh, regulatory capture is a well known phrase in the United States, but that's one of the reasons why you need to have that public input. Why you need to have a more engaged public, not a less engaged one. One of the things that you know, socialism doesn't work without an engaged populace, because otherwise you immediately get elite. You immediately get power focusing more and more in a narrow clique, and that is absolutely what you have to avoid. Is there a risk? Yeah, there is a risk, but you know, there's a, as you said yourself earlier, there's a risk to everything. You, know, you, want to, you want to start a small business, there's a risk. Uh, the question is, what are you taking the risk on behalf of? If you're taking the risk on behalf of maintaining the power of the elite or of a or of a self-centered group of of people, then that's different than if you're taking the risk on the on the idea of expanding it uh, and expanding the ability to to take part to more people and expanding the ability of more people to actually have a decent life. I mean, there's there's you know there's different levels of risk, yes, but there's also different reasons why you're taking that risk. And some risks I'm a lot more willing to take than others. One last question, Larry. Uh, if you were to put a percentage on it, what do you think the likelihood of Bernie Sanders becoming uh, president on the 20th of January next year? Ooh, uh, that's, that's a good... I, I couldn't give a percentage. I, I hate to give percentages because in something like this, they're no, they're always too precise, you know. You, well, you said there was a forty-two percent chance, and it was a forty-one percent chance. So give, I, give a wild guess. I don't guess. like doing that, but a, a wild. Well, do I? I'll put it this way: Do I think it is a reasonable possibility at this point? Yes, because for one thing, he, he uh, based on current polls. Okay, just based on current polls, um, he beats all of the Republicans. He beats every Republican running. Uh, in fact, he does better than Clinton does against them. Mm-hmm. And um, in a new poll that just came out, um, it's actually a Fox News poll, which I don't like Fox News, but their polls tend to be as reputable as any of the others. They actually have Sanders ahead of Clinton. This is the first time that's happened. So a lot of it's going to depend on the next couple of weeks, okay? If he flops in Nevada, he flops in South Carolina, and gets, and gets beaten up on Super Tuesday, well, then forget it. It's over. But if he does better than expected... And the and the nomination process keeps continuing because one of the things that people seem to see about Sanders is that the more people know him, the more they like him. That's 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 possibly true. Um, Larry, you can save your champagne uh, in case uh, he gets elected and is inaugurated next January. Then you can be a champagne democratic socialist. But uh, Larry Erickson, the writer of Lotus Surviving a Dark Time, thank you very much for talking to me. You're welcome. Bye. Make your view heard. Email podcast at challengingopinions.com to set out your ideas and defend them on the next podcast. That's all for the Challenging Opinions podcast published on April 21st, 2017. I have links in the show notes to Larry's website and his YouTube show. And do you know someone who I should interview? What topics should I be covering? I'd really be interested to hear your feedback. 
And if you like the podcast, there's one thing that you could do that would really help other people to find it. Go to iTunes, give the podcast a rating and write a short review. There's a link on the website directly to the iTunes page where you can do that. Also, please like the show on Facebook. On Twitter, you can follow the show at Challenging O. And most importantly, subscribe to the show for free. You can use iTunes if you have Apple products or Google Play Music if you're on Android. And there's links for both of those and the RSS feed if you use that. You can find them all or get in touch with me at www.challengingopinions.com. Coming on Monday, that's April 24th, I'll be right at the opposite end of the political spectrum. I have an interview with the senior editor-at-large with Breitbart News. That's Joel Pollock. The Challenging Opinions podcast is produced and presented by me, William Campbell. Thank you for listening.